0: Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and this one's for all you copywriters out there. I finally got a chance to interview our incredible copywriter and marketing coordinator, Justina Fenberg. Many of you may know her as our former community manager, and she transitioned into a copywriting role and has been doing it for the past year. And in this episode, she has so much amazing advice for how to learn a new skill on the job, lessons she's learned as she learned copywriting, and we get a little peek into how the marketing team works together to build, review, and analyze each promo series that goes out to our list. She has so many good insights here and a lot of great recommendations if you're looking to brush up on your copy. Here it is justina welcome Hi. to the podcast Hi,
1: Jenna. i'm so honored
0: <laughs> i am so excited you've been on my list for so long oh, and wow. as like uh i really need to get justina on so i'm so oh. excited we could do this
1: oh that's so sweet i'm honored i love talking about coffee, and i love talking to you one of my absolute favorite people and favorite coworkers, oh. but just favorite people <laughs> in the world in general so this is gonna be fun and Hopefully I can inspire some would-be copywriters to join us.
0: <laughs> I love that. What's really funny is my parents will listen to the podcast and every now and then they like to like rate how like chemistry wise, like <laughs> it went with the person. They're like, you guys had really, like, you guys were like really friends. I could really feel mm-hmm. your relationship. And I like 10 out of 10, my dad is going to text me and be like, do you know her? <laughs> yeah. Very well. Very well. Yeah. So you guys are hearing two people who haven't gotten to talk in so long nope. because we work on
1: totally different teams now. Yeah. And you used to talk every single day, you used to sit within arm's reach of each other and Right now, no one's within arm's reach of each I other. <laughs> we just do the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just used to be like, especially in the early days of, of community management when what I was doing before I was a copywriter would be like, should I help? <laughs> <laughs> so we got to know each other very uh, intimately on just mentee mentor level, but also just uh, having a, a really, uh, I mean, I'll, I want to talk about advocacy within the workplace, but just having a friend by your side to champion you is so important in your career growth and that's who you are to me so
0: well then let's let's dig into it because what mm-hmm. what you guys need to know about justina is she came on originally at digital marketer as a support team member mm-hmm. and within mm-hmm. I think it was like six months a month Two. a month it was a, a month. month yeah yeah it
1: was really short
0: okay within a month <laughs> Justina (laughs) was handed all of our communities Mm -hmm. and was told, this is you now. And she like just hopped on being a community manager and she was so incredible at it. And within a year, she began writing copy for us. And Mm -hmm. what what I kind of want to talk about in this episode is like what that transition looked like, what Mm -hmm. it was like to... To do two jobs at once, basically, Mm. and while learning another skill, and then just like what it takes to learn a skill like this, and yeah, just really speak to people striving to
1: to new heights. So when I came on, I like you said, I started in customer support, and I remember in my interview just talking a lot about like my just my background, my history, and I had done a lot of social media work in the past, and. Had been had led customer support teams, and so just that customer facing aspect of myself. And I've been working since I was you know 16 and some sort of customer service job. So that was that's who I am: was talking to people and getting and like just wanting to talk to people. And so when they offered it to me, when our former community manager Susie Nelson knew that she was leaving. I think just having those conversations in my uh, in my interview kind of helped me. Hopefully, I kind of rose to the top of the possible people who could take on that role when they offered it to me because I am a constant feeler of imposter syndrome. I was like, "No, you want an outside <laughs> hire." <laughs> you know? But you know, Susie really did say, "I already knew. I already knew that 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 you were the one that I that I wanted to do this." And so, having that. Oh, having somebody just behind you, championing you is so important. And that gave me a huge confidence boost and also getting some training from her before, before she transitioned out was really great too. And so, like you said, I joined the community. I did, I think it was about a year and some change and I loved every second of it. I still love our community so intensely. And with like a passion, they are so just giving of their knowledge. And I've never I've never experienced that before where you have a group of people that just want to lift everybody up and you want to share what you know and help other people to not fall into the same traps that you have on this journey of entrepreneurship. Just that open nature was such a breath of fresh air. It was so lovely. And I think just having that kind of, I see it as just this infinity symbol of how digital marketer, keeps that loop open, that feedback loop of, this is what we're doing. We think it will work for you. And then people will come back and say, I got this from Digital Marketer. I Even I got this from somewhere else and it's working for me. And it's just this pattern of reciprocal growth that is so neat. So in transitioning from community manager to copywriter, I think the thing that stood out to me when I was asked to take on that role before going again, are you sure? I don't know. (laughs) Are you sure you're the right person? was one of the things that they said to me was you have this knowledge, this internal knowledge of our community and the way that they talk to each other and the way that they talk to us and the way that we talk to them. And that's something that we really want to be able to focus on and to keep going within our copy. And so that was such a, That was such a neat thing to be offered the role and to say, it's because not just because we think that you're good at writing or that that you can do this job. It's that you already have this breadth of knowledge that can be applied to something that we find really important. It's not just blasting your sales message into the void and hoping it sticks to somebody. It's trying to craft empathetic and understanding messaging because we know who our customers are. And that is the most important part about copywriting. The most important part of copywriting is understanding who you're talking to because not all not all audiences are are created equal. Understanding not just where your customers want to go, but where they've been and meeting them where they are at that moment. It's like just being down in the trenches with them and just kind of understanding like, we've been there before and we get it. It is, this is rocky. This is rough, especially now. And you don't have to do this alone. And if you've been doing this alone, stop. You don't have to, we're here for you. And just, I think like, like seeing those conversations happen within our community kind of really helped build that into copy, just being able to write. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, And and I kind of want you to spell it out for people who are listening who are like, okay, great, you know a lot about customers. Mm-hmm. Why does community connect to copywriting in the first place? Some people might think that makes no sense to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm one. Totally I think there's a, a bit of a disconnect too with like, oh, community manager is just a social media manager, and it's not. They're totally different. I, I think Shannon, who's our social media manager, will also say the same thing, like they're different. She spends a lot of time crafting messaging to an audience, to people who want to connect with our brand, to people who want to learn more about our products. A community manager is facilitating conversations between members of the community. They're just the guide or the, the person who's just facilitating and helping bring people together. But once that part is done, we try to step out of it and we just try to let those those relationships between members foster and grow, but also try to engage people with with the, the resources and the things that they have in common that link them to us. Your community isn't necessarily to get people to stand behind your brand. It's to get them to stand behind an aspect of of your brand that truly links people together. We know that communities aren't built because they're, you know, super faithful to a specific brand. They're faithful to a cause. They're faithful to feeling a a journey, a destination. They have something that that links them that's bigger than a business. And so for me, looking into the community and have like seeing what they're passionate about, what they're talking to each other about, that is The best way that you can connect with your audience as you're writing copy because you're seeing the real raw humanness of people and they will share. That's one of the hardest parts about about being a community manager is getting people to open up and share. But when they Mm -hmm. do, it's so meaningful. And that's where you get the really good feedback on what your products could possibly mean to people. So it's not necessarily saying that every business needs to have a community, but listening and encouraging your copywriters to do that research into looking at what ties your customers together internally is what's going to help you move your product and write your copy better than just blasting it out into the void and hoping it just sticks to somebody.
0: Yeah. I think that's really well said, and especially about the part about uniting around a cause, because I think a lot of people do start communities thinking, oh, my product, the, they want to talk about how to use my product, mm-hmm. how to, blah, blah, blah. But like an instant pot community is not going to be about, oh, how much they love their instant pot, even though they'll say it, mm-hmm. it's going to be about how they were able to cook dinner for their family of six in mm-hmm. 20 minutes. You yeah, know?
1: sharing recipes and help. I have someone coming over tomorrow and I wasn't prepared. But the, and that's the thing is that those are the those are the real moments. A real moment doesn't like, I'm in love with my Instapot. It's (laughs) holy cow. I'm so grateful that I have this thing and this community to help me solve a problem that I had before. It's not Mm -hmm. just about the brand or the product, it's about the coming togetherness of common life. Yeah. (laughs) Just life. (laughs) It's cool listening to
0: you talk because you talk so much still like a community manager, but still so much like a copywriter. So (laughs) (laughs) you have it both, you have it down. So what was the transition like? And how did you learn about copywriting on the job? And
1: how did you even know that that's what you wanted to do? I remember on my birthday, I won't say which one, (laughs) Um, but on my birthday, I went out to dinner with my husband, had a couple glasses of champagne and it just hit me when we were talking about work. And I just said, I think I want to be a copywriter. And I'd never said it out loud before. And I never knew. I, I was just like, I was really enjoying writing and our Former copywriter Ben Griffin was a friend of mine on staff and just kind of being able to see how he was crafting stuff. And it was so cool. And I always had an interest in writing, but I never thought that I was good enough to do it. And I'd had some experience before in writing social media posts and stuff, building up a muscle writing. And anyway, you know, I didn't say anything. I told my husband and that was that. And then I sat on it for about nine months. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then you and I had my, cause I don't know if people know you were my, my manager at the time you were running that, that aspect of our product team. And you asked me in my review, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to be a copywriter. And I was so scared to say it because again, imposter syndrome is mm. rampant inside of me. But also I was scared that it was like, Well, we gave you this huge opportunity. Like, is it was it not And I was like, Absolutely, I feel like I've learned so much. And I was so hesitant also to like you spend so much time establishing a role within the community and letting you know building that trust that community members can trust you and and so that was something of like I I really want to do this but I don't I'm not ready to leave the community is there a way that I can learn to do copywriting while here and help relieve some of the the marketing team's workload but also still stay very active in the community. So and it was so encouraged and that's one of the things that I love about our company is the fact that we're an educational company the we work with so many teachers or people that we work with are teachers and they just understand that it's so important to kind of lead by teaching and that it was just like, yeah, not only can you help me with my workload, I can show you what I know. And we can build up a stronger team of people who kind of know what we're doing. What's the, you know, tide that raises all ships kind of a thing. So that meant that I could still do all the community stuff. And when there was downtime, I could be working on an email as part of a larger campaign. And I could work on little bits of like, sales page copy. And anywhere there was a copywriting need, it was like, well, so-and-so's working on this and -and so-and-so's working on this. We can pass that to Justina. And I still, there was a lot of oversight. It was four or five people checking your copy, giving you notes. I was taking our copywriting course and our email marketing course. And it was just a full kind of education while you're able to do it, which is so important because that's one of the things that we talk about in our certifications. It's you can only learn so much. You have to use it. It's a muscle. You have to to use that muscle in order to strengthen it. And so I think that's super important is being able to pick up all of these lessons from people who are so, we have so many talented writers on our staff, not just copy, but content writers and It's so great. And to have all those people who are able to look over your copy and give you notes is really important. It's a two-way street. I think if you're a manager and you are approached by a team member who says, I would like to go into this other realm, how can we make that balance? It's trusting that you're going to be able to support that person, but also trusting that it's a good thing for the business as a whole, that they came to you and told you that. And just being that support person for them and, and being their advocate. I don't think that I would have had any confidence to name what I wanted without you as my manager saying, how can we make this happen for you? That's so important. And I I've been a manager before, and I know how hard it is to like, quote unquote, lose team members to other departments or in general, but it's also such a good thing that someone else can recognize a spark in somebody that they can help grow. And all that means is you're going to get some, you're going to be able to bring somebody else up into the role that they vacate, Where you're going to be able to bring in an outside hire that like helps continue to round out this incredible team that you're building. So mm-hmm. it's just so important to advocate for yourself, for your team members. I think that's why we just have such a great group of people working at Digital Marketer because we just have that solidarity amongst each other. So, there's no hoarding of information. It's just this open fountain of knowledge, which is fantastic. So
0: free for all. It, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> what what I think is most important in listening to you now is the action that you took. So, I mean, you were working your buns off then. Like I remember how hard you were working at not only doing the community but also writing this copy and getting it checked and meeting with Ben and all of those, all of those things and taking those courses. But I think the most important part was that you had something to do about mm-hmm. it because so often people really like to take our courses and they like to take them all in a row <laughs> and, yep. and then be like, I know everything about digital marketing, but it really doesn't mean anything until you can practice that muscle and use it. So what were some of those first nuggets of knowledge that were like, oh, this
1: is what good copywriting means? Well, um, getting to the point, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody can tell right now, but I have a problem with brevity. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that there's definitely room for both. I've seen copywriters say take as much time as you need. The copy takes as long as it takes. And other other people say shorter is better. And I think it just comes down to like recognizing what your audience wants. It's recognizing like whether you need to kind of give any sort of background or whether you just need to get to the point. It's knowing kind of within the promotion where you are And like, if we're talking about an email promotion and your email promotion is going to last maybe seven days, the, uh, the length of an email on day one might be different from day three, might be different from day seven. You might ch- not change anything, but what it is, is knowing your audience. And so I think like I sat down in the early days with Ryan and I got every week, just he would look over copy that I'd written and he would give me notes, like feedback about it and suggest books to read and newsletters to get on. And huh, first off, I recognize how lucky I am to be getting copywriting as <laughs> from Ryan Dice <laughs> that's a blessing in and of itself and and now I I get those same lessons from our head of marketing um, Matt Swan we look over a copy every week and just talk about talk about things so anyway obviously knowing your audience knowing where your audience is in the stage getting to the point (laughs) in our copywriting course the instructor who's with AWIA which is American Writers and Artists Institute so she knows what she's talking about. And she, at the very end of the course, gives like 37 things like to wrap it up of, here's everything that little snippets of information to not forget. I wrote down every single one, and then I highlighted the ones that I'm terrible at. One <laughs> that I did right off of the bat that I needed to work on. So like, make sure that you're reading your copy out, loud is the biggest thing. And that was one of the things that Ryan really drove home with me in the beginning was read it out loud because you'll catch yourself rambling. You'll catch yourself repeating things. And you can tell in writing when something was not read out loud before it was published. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was one of the early lessons too. And that was something I remember people asking me was, did you read this out loud to yourself? I'm like, no, (laughs) No. (laughs) I didn't. So brevity, reading things out loud. Also using in copywriting I learned early on that copywriting and content writing are very different things. And that was something that I picked up on when I was, I was writing in the early days of my writing experience, I was writing our This Week in Lab content. And I didn't even realize when I was writing when something sounded promotionally because I didn't know yet that there was a distinction between content writing and copywriting. So in just kind of stepping away from writing that and focusing more on writing advertisement, emails, sales pages, I was able to fit like start to see the distinction of, Oh, those are very different things. In content writing, you're able to write, you know, longer sentences. They don't, you don't, it's still very conversational, but in a much different way with copywriting, we try to use short sentences and vary up your structure and, It's kind of ignores a lot of the rules of writing that you learn in high school and in college. And that was really hard to do because I'm a rule follower. (laughs) So kind of knowing when to ignore the rules and when to follow them was a very eye-opening experience as well in the beginning. Also that active voice of it's talking to somebody. It's using a lot of action words. It's just being very in the now, in the present. It's not talking in past I don't know, I don't know how to describe it other than like talking in a passive voice. You're trying to be very direct. It's called direct response copywriting for a reason. You want to elicit an action out of somebody. You're not really, as much as yes, you're trying there to, it also entertain and things like that. It's it's persuasive writing. And then trying to not use like big, crazy words, which is something that I was always like, oh, but you want to sound like you want to use all these big words, you know what you're talking about. No one talks like that. It's I remember like- that
0: specifically about your early writing mm-hmm. is, <laughs> is how how we had to dumb it down. You had mm-hmm. to go back and dumb it down.
1: I was used to the, the most of the writing that I had done was I have a, a bachelor's degree and went to college and all that writing you do is at an academic level. Not everybody... Wants to read like that. Not everybody that's just not, when you don't have a lot of time, when you're talking to people who run their own businesses, like that's not what they're for. There's a time and a place for academic writing. It's not necessarily in copywriting. That's not to say that if you are speaking to that audience that that's what that audience wants. That's what they expect. That's not necessarily something that I think our audience expects. And so using tools that help you identify when you might be doing that, like Hemingway does a really good job. They tell you kind of what grade level you're speaking to. And, and I think that was really helpful in kind of helping clear up a lot of the ostentatious words. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, you know, switching out your $10 words um, is really important too. I think those were the biggest things. I think out of 37 things that I wrote down, I think I highlighted like 30. (laughs) So, and I still keep the list next to me and and use it as like a checklist and and stuff. And it's just, I think one of the most important things is there's your early lessons, but there's things that you're constantly striving to remember as you're Mm. writing is to not be precious with your own copy. So that was something that I learned from Becky Zeber, who's our content strategist. And heads up the DM blog. She was writing a lot of the early issues of Insider. And we would be sitting down in these meetings and we'd be giving our feedback and she would hack away at the copy. And I was watching her and I was still really early into copywriting of maybe a couple months. And I was just in awe of how easily she could take those edits in stride. And I remember telling her like, you don't bat an eye. And she's just like, eh, you get used to it as a writer. You just like, you don't take it personally. There's a reason there's erasers. And so I think that's a huge, a huge lesson too is that I think you feel like you put a lot of time and energy. It's creative with a lot of creatives. They're really precious about the thing that they do. And at the same time, it's a bit of a science as well. So recognizing that when people are making edits, it's because they're leaning into the science of it, it's they're leaning into the fact that, like, oh, that didn't play well last time, or we tried that, or we're trying to do more shorter. Subject lines and that is just too long, and it's not necessarily that people are are criticizing you. It's a criticism of the work, and that's also not a terrible thing. Yeah, so don't be precious with your copy if you can help it. It's really, really hard. It's really (laughs) a really hard thing to do. Those are some really, really valuable
0: lessons and points. One, one thing I was amazed by when you fully transitioned was. And, and even when Ben Griffin left our head mm-hmm. copywriter and you transitioned into that, like the yeah, main yeah. copywriting role, what I found like incredible was that I didn't see any real changes in our emails and it.
1: Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com.
0: It all seemed like really cohesive across time. And I was just really impressed by that. But also on top of that, we're not just writing emails from Digital Marketer. Mm -hmm. We're writing from Ryan Dice's voice. That's the majority of our promotional mails Come from Ryan, mm-hmm. and some of them he really does write. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the mystery is alive. But <laughs> a lot of them are yeah. written by you. So, what is it like to have to capture someone's voice?
1: I have the luxury of having, before taking on a copywriting role, a year, almost two years of working directly with Ryan. And so I've seen him give talks, he would lead our meetings every week, our, our staff meetings. And I kind of already had that voice. I, or I kind of already understood who Ryan was and, and kind of what he talked about and what he was passionate about. And I recognize, especially with freelancers, you might not always get that. You might just be having to read past work, looking at sales pages, doing research. And that not might be something you might not get, especially if you're taking a lot of work. But we have freelancers too. And I think that it's fantastic. Having just kind of an open line into people who do or people who have done it in the past. I had an open line to Ben Griffin, even after he left, I had an open line to Ryan Dice. I had past copy that I could look at and use to kind of build my knowledge of the sound of it and and the look of it too. And it was really helpful. And we have so many talented writers here on staff. They don't even do that full time. It's just what they do. Like Justin Rondo would look over my work early days and he spends a lot of time with Ryan and you know, knew what to look for. And that is just kind of tapping into your resources. I think it's the best thing that you can do when trying to work on establishing a voice that already exists or try to collaborate With a voice that already exists and I've written as you before and that's a completely different voice. Yeah. It's a very, and especially because like I said, content and copy are very different. You're, you're writing from a content perspective. You're talking to members and who already have access to these things. We don't need to sell them anything. They already have it. So it's very, it's a, it's a very different um, approach to it. And I think having those things in mind, like who you're talking to and what the sole purpose is and what the already established voice is and what it's at the end of the day, what it's trying to do is just crucial to trying to nail that. I think that's lovely. I've, you know, I thought about it before, like, is there a dividing mark in taking over writing a lot of the emails? I would say you can't do it in a vacuum either. So Mm -hmm. if you're fortunate enough to be able to have people who can look over your work, who are also familiar with it, can also contribute to that. It's just, like I said, it's just a copy is just a muscle. It's a muscle that you have to be regularly working on for it to get better.
0: So for for those of you listening that are business owners or you manage copywriters or you're part of the marketing team, I I do want to talk about how our marketing team functions and how we come up with promos and write copy and all that stuff. But I'm going to do that later. Right now, I want to talk to those of you who are interested in becoming a copywriter or becoming a better copywriter. Mm -hmm. And Justina, tell them what a full-time copywriter
1: looks like a day in the life. We have an interesting structure. We we meet as a copy team twice a week. We look over copy that's going to go out and copy that has gone out. So I would say without trying to sound like I'm being deeper meta, that a lot of it is looking ahead and looking back. One week we look at, or one day we look at kind of review a promo as it's about to go out. Our promotions are typically seven days depending on the promotion. So we write, Seven or eight mails, depending on how many closers you're gonna get. And then we look at them all in whole. We try to look for three things. It's the cub process. It's and mm-hmm. that was coined by Michael Masterson, I believe, who wrote copy logic. But it's is the copy confusing? Is it unbelievable? Is it boring? Mm-hmm. Those are the three things we look for. we And we're writing a bunch of subject lines together. We're trying to identify what the best subject line is for this promo. We test. Every email probably has about anywhere from two to five subject line variations, and we test. So we spend, once an email goes out, it gets about an hour or two to test. And then the one that gets the the most opens gets sent out to the entire list as a whole. And that allows us to test control subject lines that we know have gotten opens in the past, but also kind of see if there's a different direction that people are looking at. It allows us to be like, do we want a longer subject line? Do we want a shorter one or people on a whole... Is there a preference? Do we want to be kind of coy in our pre-header text, which is the text after the subject line? Do we really want to spell it out? So testing. We do a lot of testing.
0: Like <laughs> tangent? What are you seeing recently
1: in those uh, subject line shifts? We're kind of leaning towards shorter. The shorter, the better when it comes to promotions and then using our pre-headers to kind of go into a bit more detail um, mm. and kind of playing, kind of seeing what open rights look like with that. We're also finding that like a lot of times the a promotion, if it's seven days, you'll get a dip, a kind of a natural dip in the middle of the week. I think our list is very, kind of have caught on <laughs> to yeah. kind of the, the, the flow of a campaign. They kind of know how long they might have to pick up an item. So I also recognize that a lot of our list also is swiping. They're looking at what we're doing. They're seeing if it's something that they you know, could possibly work into their own promo campaigns. And so they might be more apt to click on a mail in the beginning of a promo series or the end. So that's kind of like when we're looking at click-through rates, are the click-through rates better in the beginning or the end? Did something really hit in the middle? Was it because it was shorter body copy, longer body copy? Did we have too many links, not enough links? Did we not put a link above the fold? One of the things that we really try to make sure that we're doing is we're not selling the product in the mail, we're selling the click. So you're Um, And that's one of the lessons early on was that you don't have to... The sales page is there for a reason. The sales page does the work. It does the heavy lifting of selling your product. What an email does is it lets people know that this thing is available. It tries to find the people that are the most uh, likely to purchase that item. and, And you don't have to necessarily wax poetic about it. It's just... Here's what it is. Here's why we think that it's important. Here's, you know, why now? why, why it's important? Why it should be important to you? Click. <laughs> <laughs> so the long way around that answer is, or the long way around that question is, I think you can never not test. And I think mm-hmm. that you also have to recognize that, like, you could One thing could work one week and it might not work the next week. One thing can work on one promo. And then when you go to run that promo again, it could be completely different. We've definitely yeah. seen that with, with certain launches, like with launching certain challenges. If we run the same challenge, we might have to run it a different way the next time. The second time from the first time looks different. Uh, third time from the second time looks different. You might, mm. yeah, it's just for being really, really open. So when I say looking back, it's not being afraid to review your stats, give credit where credit is due, pat yourself on the back when you do something really good. But when something doesn't work, try to do your best to understand why. Maybe it was a bad day. Maybe it was a crappy day for, for opens. We've found that like sending on Fridays, people just don't generally open a ton of mail on Fridays. Some days are better than others. Some times are better than others. Maybe your segmenting was off. There's just so many factors and diving in and checking those factors. And then in looking ahead day-to-day as a copywriter, it's being like having a promotional calendar is so crucial. I do not like surprises. I am not. (laughs) do not surprise me. I like being prepared. (laughs) And so we'll have a promotional calendar a month, a quarter out. We can look as a team of like break down who's working on what. And I can get a jump on stuff if I finish something early, I can get a jump on something else while, you know, we're waiting to review that thing that I was just working on. And I have time to coordinate with our design team. If we need new graphics for the sales page or a mail, I can coordinate with our content team. If we want to drive some traffic to a blog post to kind of help prime the list for a promotion coming up. And I, it just gives you having a promotions list gives you just the gift of time being able to spend more time um, working on campaigns without feeling like you're working into the middle of the night, which is something I don't think, you know, right now the lines between our work life and our home life are so mm-hmm. razor thin that if you can avoid this over overworking and burning yourself out, burning the candle at both ends, have a promotions calendar. Like we have the resource in lab. I, <laughs> and lab. you know. like, just please get a promotions calendar or start one. Also, we ditch that calendar sometimes. Things just don't work out, yeah. and that's also a part of being a full-time copywriter. Is you might spend a week working on something, and it what for whatever reason something happens, and it you can't run it, and so you have to really quickly be able to pivot. I know that pivot is a word that we over like we used so much in 2020, but it's also <laughs> one that you have to get get used to. Working as a copywriter is you might. Have a hook for something, and then that hook falls flat, and you have to change up the rest of a promo. That happened to us, by the way. You remember last spring? Who doesn't remember last spring? Last spring, we were all set to pull certifications from lab. Right. And we had a really strong. Of, we're pulling certifications from lab. It's not the best way to consume content. We, we, you just said it before, you could binge all of these, these learnings, but in the long run, if you're not applying it to anything, it's useless. So we pulled them from lab we made the decision to, and then the entire country, if not world went on lockdown for COVID. And a couple of those mails went out because they were already scheduled. And the feedback we got was, yeah, it doesn't really seem like the right time for this kind of messaging. And we were like, oh yeah, that's probably true. So we stopped that campaign. And then I think within a day or two, we opened up lab to everybody. So it was a complete 180 of taking something out and making it, putting it behind a, behind This idea that it's not the best thing for for marketers to just be able to binge stuff and then changing that to actually the best thing that we can do for the marketing community as a whole is opening our doors and just letting everybody just educate themselves, build their businesses in a time of just... Oh, I don't, I, I don't think I can describe it that anybody hasn't heard already. So I won't try, Mm -hmm. but just, yeah, in a, in a time where things are just being pulled from you left and right, giving something back was huge. And we left the gates open. I want to say for five or six weeks before we turned back on, okay, got to kind of got to subscribe now. And we got so much good feedback about, I'm so grateful that I was able to build skills and I'm, my businesses, you know, can be in a much better place and I can be ready for, for what comes down the pipeline. And. Just that flexibility. You can have a promotions calendar all day, every day, but just, I think from the world of a copywriter, it always goes back to listening to what's working right now and what the audience wants and being ready to pivot as as soon as possible. And kind of just training yourself to understand that like, Just because you wrote this thing doesn't mean you're not going to be able to eventually use it. You might. We did. And then we ended up pulling certs from lab a couple months later. So we were able to eventually use the promotion. We did tweak things a little bit, but it just goes back to not being super precious with your copy.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think too, like that active listening piece, Mm -hmm. it's not just about knowing your avatar. Okay. I know them, but like actively listening to what -hmm. their needs are at all times, because they're constantly changing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I kind of, uh, a little piece for people at home who are like, like you, with a child, <laughs> w- working remotely at home with your entire family, how do you get copywriting done? It's not a thing that you can just do while someone is throwing a tantrum or your husband's on a conference call or something like that? How do you get copywriting done?
1: I'm really fortunate. I have a a pod. We have isolated ourselves as a pod, my in-laws in our in our family, and they do the bulk of childcare for us while we're working. So That's I amazing. recognize that that is not that we are incredibly fortunate. If they did not live as close as they do, I can't even speak to what work and home would be looking like right now. I have friends that are doing it. I have friends that are running their own businesses who've had to hire nannies and who are potting together. And my heart it just breaks for people, especially women who've had to, whose careers have really taken a back seat, And it's just kind of what we've seen is a huge loss of, of kind of women in the, in the working force, in the workforce. Yeah. So, I'm incredibly fortunate that my in laws, you know, who are retired and they were like, yeah, we'll do it and have been doing it for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. And their retired years were supposed to be spent traveling. And that's really great. It's really wonderful. And also, one of the things I think. That the best things you can just do as a human is establish boundaries. Just as a person, it's establishing boundaries and you have to do the best that you can, especially now, especially because children don't always understand boundaries. But mm-hmm. if you can lay boundaries when you can with your employers, with your spouse and with your family, it's I need This time to work, how can we make that work? It's having those conversations of when's the time you get your best work done and take advantage of those times if you can. I know for me, I get my best work done in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I usually spend time tweaking, reading, catching up on emails or reading you know, newsletters that I follow. But my husband's different. He will um, enter his day really lightly and do the bulk of his like focus hours in the afternoon. So mm-hmm. kind of recognizing where you do your best work and then trying to find or trying to build childcare and focus time around that is, if you can, really important. And I say, if you can, because I can certainly empathize with people who just can't. It's just... Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, frontline workers who had I, I read a story really early on about a frontline worker whose closest relative was I think her mom who lived in a, a state away and she I think it was a doctor or a nurse and she just had to send her kids a state away and not be, yeah. I can't imagine not seeing my daughter every day. And so you're just you it's just doing the best that the best that you can. And I think also really early on, digital marketer was immediately like, we get it don't feel like be open, let us know what's going on. If you, you know, don't have childcare, if you're, if you're balancing at all, let us know. And that was also something that as a team, we got used to. It's trying to get a hold of a team member and then realizing, oh, they have a kid. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <There's> a <possibility laughs> that they're not answering the slack because they are trying to put a kid down for a nap. And it's mm-hmm. just that compassion for each other have that compassion for your team members. Understand that everyone is trying to balance something, um, whether it's a parent who's staying with you, your your children, multiple jobs. I think people are trying to balance multiple jobs or taking on work to make up for you know things that they lost. I think that we could just all have, if we could just build that com- compassion into ourselves, well, we've made it this long. Let's try to, let's just try to keep it going and be compassionate as possible with each other. So yeah,
0: let's, let's get into now how our marketing team works. We've had a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. There's some totally new
1: team members. Mm -hmm. So what do y'all do? How does this work? So we look at our promo calendar at the start of every week. We kind of look and see what's coming, coming down the pipeline and, Who's going to take what? Typically, I, I take a, a lot of the emails and then somebody else might write sales pages or tweak sales pages if we need a new sales pages done. There's also I have a technically marketing coordinator in my title. So I work with other members of the team to coordinate design requests, pop-ups on our blog, or getting you know info from the content team. And then usually it's we spend time looking at copy, reviewing stats for what worked, what didn't, seeing if we have any controls for things. That saves a lot of time too. If we have control copy that we know worked really well in the past and it's been a while, that might be something that we use again and see if it's still working. And at the beginning, I was really worried about that. I was like, "Oh my god, aren't people going to notice if we're using a control?" And no, no one's sitting on their inbox like categorizing every single thing of <laughs> them every day. Um, I remember this email that mm-hmm. you know they sent me two years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, if you can save a little bit of time and try running some controls, but at the same time, also don't be afraid to test. We do body tests as well. We are our email system allows us to send variations of a mail. So if we think Hey, let's try this mail without a PS and see if it, see if the click through rate is better, if it's shorter, or let's send this mail with a PS and see if the click, see if people are jumping. We know that people will jump down to the PS and just read the PS before they commit themselves to reading the rest of the mail. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of testing, but I, I think that's the the bulk of our team and our team is growing. We just found out that it's growing even bigger. We're pulling in new members from, from other other teams. And so our social media manager is on our marketing team now. And we have uh, dedicated designers where we had kind of shared resources before. And I think that's fantastic that our sh- even as shared resources, you still always got beautiful work and they would still be re- incredibly communicative to you. And but yeah, it's just, I think you can kind of even build on a more holistic marketing, you know, approach to certain promos and be able to coordinate even better. So kind of sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for where our little marketing team is going. I love that. So
0: I kind of just want to ask now for recommendations because, oh. I mean, everybody loves books about
1: mm-hmm. copy,
0: about business, about emails, whatever you got. Let's start with that. Yeah. What should people read
1: about copywriting? I have a massive list of two read books. <laughs> that was part of my like training was reading. I recognized that I, even in college, I was not great at learning from books. So I that was one of the topics too that I would see all the time in Engage where people just thrive on reading books. And I think I'm such a hands-on person. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I can read for a little bit and then I actually have to like do it or find a, find a way to incorporate what I'm, what I'm reading. But in that, I recognize that there's so much we can learn, especially from like copywriters who've kind of earned like the, there's, like the fathers of, you know, of modern advertising, like David Ogilvy and Dan Kennedy and Michael Masterson. And there's such great stuff that you can learn from their books. I love Great Leads by Michael Masterson. He kind of breaks down how to structure your um, sales letter copy around your big idea and how to really get that big idea in those that first big chunk of, of anything that you're writing. He also did uh, copy logic, which is where I got that cub process, the confusing, Mm -hmm. unbelievable, and boring. It kind of outlines, outlines a, a review process that you can implement that I believe they do at Agora Publishing, which is that financial newsletter. And they, it's just so detailed and it's so simple, but so cool about how they kind of will look at copy and do a review meeting. And then just it's just such, it's like a battle plan and it's so cool. So I'm I'm making it my mission to incorporate that on a whole, which is difficult uh, in a work from home situation. But I just think that, that that process is really neat. So yeah, great leads. Copy logic is the process. Dan Kennedy's ultimate sales letter. I think I highlighted the... Crap out of <laughs> it's really really good. Dan Kennedy is actually one of Ryan's was one of, is one of Ryan's favorites, and so I was able to kind of pull a lot of of stuff from that book as well. It's really neat. I finished *Ogilvy on Advertising*. I have seen *Mad Men* like way more than anybody should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of my absolute favorite shows, but I think when I read Ogilvy on Advertising is and then I went back and watched Mad Men again, you actually hear them reference David Ogilvy multiple times throughout the show because he was mm-hmm. such a such a figurehead of, mm-hmm. of marketing at the time and was changing so many things about about advertising. And so Ogilvy on Advertising was written, I believe, I can't remember the copyright, but I want to say it was like like early 80s or something so essentially like 40 years ago um, we didn't have really digital advertising yet and digital marketing yet but there's so many it's like psychology like you're just learning the psychology of of the way people approach the, or the way your consumers are approaching products and so David was David Ogilvy was so good at recognizing those those human patterns in people. It's so neat, and you can take a lot of the stuff from Ogilvy on advertising and put it into still put it into e commerce and SaaS products and stuff, which is really cool. And then I'm currently trying to read when I have time Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. So I have a lot. I actually find it's a it's a big list. So. But I actually, find I really like newsletters. I know that that's kind of like a, it's a buzzword right now. Everybody's kind of, it's the blog of this decade. Everyone's building out their newsletter where, Mm -hmm. you know, 20 years ago, the blog was the big thing. But I find that like, because I only have so many hours in the day and I can get really good, really quick lessons from, from newsletters. So that's kind of my, my jam.
0: So what are the, what are the people you follow online and in their newsletters. You've actually introduced me to a lot of really good ones.
1: Have I? Oh. Well, my absolute favorite that I never miss is Anne Hanley's Total Anarchy. She writes a it's a bi-weekly, so in this instance it's every other week, um, a bi-weekly newsletter. And I if I could sit inside Anne Hanley's brain as she's mm-hmm. writing, I don't think you'd ever get me out of there. She can formulate these incredible stories. And she takes things from her life and she always does such a, she just has this incredible voice that is just funny and witty and relatable and serious about copywriting at the same time. So if, you, if you're if you not already on uh, Total Anarchy, that's one that I, I love. I was recently introduced to Very Good Copy, which is, I believe, a weekly newsletter by Eddie Schleiner. And he does these really cool micro-interviews with other copywriters. And he's actually how I found out about a lot of copywriting lists that I should get on. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool. Cause I think you can get on lists of people that have made a name for themselves over the decades and then kind of there are some that I'm like, uh, I can certainly understand why this person is so prolific, but it's not necessarily something that I enjoy reading. But I still think like when, when you know, Eddie does these micro interviews, there's so much good stuff in them. That's so a very good copy. I know everyone's heard of Morning Brew. I love, I never miss Morning Brew and I always check out Marketing Brew. They, I'm not really like, I don't follow the stock market really well. So I kind of get the general news from Morning Brew, but then when Marketing Brew comes out, that's the bread and butter of what we do. That's really good too. Another one that I look for in my inbox is marketing examples by Harry dry. He does really cool side-by-sides of like, he'll he kind of does a little bit of everything, but I obviously a special of the copywriting ones. He'll take pages and they're short. they're maybe like two or three minutes per post and he'll take bits of copy and then rework the copy right next to it. So you can kind of see where it was missing the mark. And then it, it's just, it's just, cool. You're just, you're learning. It's an education at the same time. So, as you're being, because he writes super fun too. So you're really engaged in what you're reading. Really love that one. And then I'm going to put shameless plugs in for recess.io. Our writer, Chris Handy, is doing some really cool things with that newsletter. I absolutely love his voice. I think it's really neat. So yeah, re- check out the recess.io newsletter. It's super fun. And then obviously DM Insider because we have the best content team on the planet. And I learn so much from the articles that. We that are sourced in Insider is actually done by everybody at the company. So we're all reading stuff and we all send things that we think are really important to our readers. And so it's such a cool way to be able to see like what I don't know really much. I, I have a basic understanding of, you know, SEO. But when someone sends this article about SEO, I know that it's really important because it's like. Somebody who doesn't know anything about SEO is like, I read this and I either I don't know anything about it. Can someone help me to understand this or, oh, wow, this is going to affect everybody, all of our all of our members. So it's just such a really well put together insight into just what's kind of happening every week on the marketing front. So can't speak enough good things about DM Insider.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Justina, we are getting to the end of our time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have one final question to ask you, but before I ask it, where can people find you, find out more about you or whatever? I mean, whatever <laughs> you feel comfortable
1: with. I would say, please subscribe to, to Digital Marketer. Please download our, our awesome lead magnets. We you know put so much love and attention into those. And then once you download one of those, I hope you'll stay on our list and enjoy our emails. I, I'm pretty quiet online. I think that's I'm think okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm pretty quiet. I'm just trying to keep my kid entertained <laughs> uh, and just, yeah, just do me a solid and down. get on the digital marketer subscriber list. I think you'll like what, like what we send out.
0: And the final question is, If you could go back in time and tell your young self who was kind of starting this journey, knowing what you know now, you could tell him anything at all. What would you tell her and why?
1: Oh, ignore the voice inside of you that says you can't do it or that you're the wrong person for this. If someone is giving you praise for something and, and has faith in you, listen to them. I spent a lot of my early years feeling like my head was always on a chopping block. I think it goes with the territory of not getting complacent in your work, but also I think it can do a lot of damage at the same time and really create anxiety and and create a, a thing inside of you that tells you you're not good enough. And the best thing that you can do is ignore that and keep going and believe people when they say that you're doing well. That's the best. I think that's the the advice that I would give to my younger self. I probably wouldn't believe me, but. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn it your own way, but yeah. it's good to know these things.
0: Well, just, this was absolutely awesome. Thanks Thank for coming you. on the
1: podcast. Thanks for having me. It truly is an honor. I learned so much from this podcast and love my digital marketer fam. Anyway,
0: and to you listening out there, it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week.
1: Thanks, Jenna.